But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 60. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on my Sunday sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. I believe this is our, is this our first podcast of 2022 together? Uh, or did we have one? We had one. We did... I'm not sure. It was Christmas Eve. You so that did 2021. Well, it was but about then, 2021. But then we but did we another one. Did it so in that, 2022. Um, Baptism of the Lord? We did. We you skip, and I did that? We had to skip that one. Baptism of the Lord got skipped. Yeah, because oh. we had the COVID stuff, and mm-hmm. then you and Stephanie did a couple. and Yeah. And then you and Stephanie covered the first week yeah. of, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, what? <laughs> and, then she, and then she and I did one. Yeah. we so just, I'm saying. Like we that. haven't recorded in a long time. But yeah, I mean, this is the first Sunday of February. I know. And we're back together in the studio. Yep. To record a sermon about, I mean, a podcast about, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Um, and last week on the podcast, we did discuss where that comes from. And I was I, extremely disappointed that Stephanie did not know. I didn't know. It was also, Hamil- Ashley didn't know. Yep. Hamilton, yeah. I didn't know that either. Mm. It was really funny when Stephanie was like, I thought it just came out of Chris Dowd's head. Like, there was this awkward <laughs> pause. It was so funny. Um, I always think, I feel like Rachel Green said that a lot on um, Friends. Uh, she'd, be, she'd be like, I'm sorry, what? So my theory is that Friends... Uh, is the Beatles of the sitcom world, meaning the most overrated of all time. Ooh. Wow. Mm. <laughs> I've come around on all the right, Beatles. All right. Well, it's been fun. So enjoy talking to, your, to yourself, asking yourself and questions. This is our last podcast together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awkward. First and last. I've come around on the Beatles. I have not yet come around on Friends. Mm-hmm. Oh. I can agree with that. I really can. Yeah. Ross is the most annoying character in, in television history. Uh, there are certain seasons where he's real annoying. His, his is there season. one when he's not? He kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. That whiny face he's got. No. <laughs> I'm, out. I'm out on Ross, and therefore I'm out on Friends. <laughs> All right, fine. All right, I'll just add it to my list of things that we don't agree on, I guess. It's <laughs> not a long list, Gilwin. I don't have a list. Sheesh. <laughs> Keeping tabs over there? I am. I keep score. Hmm. All kinds of things. Um, okay, well, uh, we are wrapping up our series, I'm Sorry What? Yes. Which I'm kind of sad to see see it go. I, felt, I had fun with it. Yeah, Stephanie and I gave you a hard time. Oh yeah, maybe about what? maybe behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. Say more. Say more about that. <laughs> we, uh, I think we were just really intimidated by some of the scripture at first first look, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for Stephanie. I, I mean, I only had to preach one week, but I was like, oh man, it was actually like really good. Yeah. To dive into those hard ones. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I Well, I think it's because uh, it's a very common experience to have to come across Bible passages and just not really know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think every once in a while doing a, a kind of a teaching series where we're getting clear on how Methodists approach Scripture is uh, is important. Yeah. I think it was just the intimidation of... Are people going to be, will they be looking for a straight answer? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I was first going into it. Like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, 
I don't know if I have a clear cut answer yeah. for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think every week we, between all the different preachers, I think we did a good job of, of allowing people to not quite have to make up their mind or at least know how to approach it better, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think it was a, it was a good series. Excellent. Yeah. I get, uh, got some good feedback on it. Good. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, you open up your sermon with a quote from an evangelist. Yes. What does a quote say? Uh, I've read the last page of the Bible. Everything's going to turn out okay. Yeah. So what does the last page of the Bible say? <laughs> so that's the last chapter of Revelation, and uh, which I love, Book of Revelation. We should probably do a whole series on that. Ooh, I'd love that. <laughs> um, so the last uh, chapter of the Bible, of course, the last page of the Bible depends on what Bible you're reading, how many notes there are, blah, blah, blah. But uh, chapter 22 of Revelation is um, like, you know, the Bible starts in the garden. Mm -hmm. And it ends in the garden. The new Jerusalem has come down out of heaven. And um, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful, like Revelation 22 is especially beautiful if you've read all of Revelation because <laughs> there's, because Revelation takes you on quite a journey. Um, but basically, uh, I'll just read a couple things. So picking up with verse six of that 22nd chapter and, and he uh, said to me, these words are trustworthy and true for the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. And there's this, it's, it's recapitulation of this real positive, uplifting message of revelation. Mm -hmm. That's great. So yeah, it's a great, great ending. I mean, the, literally the last two verses, you want to hear those? Yeah. The, whole Bible. the one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all the saints. Amen. It's pretty good. It's a great closing verse. It is. Yeah. I mean, literally, grace is right there in the very last uh -huh. verse of the Bible. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious because some people probably are like, oh, what does the last page say? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's been a while. I thought it'd also be fun to look at Genesis and name all the troubling things we can read in the first handful of chapters. So, yeah. Um, we both have our Bibles here. Yeah. I mean, well, it gets troubling before chapter six. Yeah. I mean, chapter six is the whole angels with human wives right. thing. But I think some people are like, oh, wait, God kicks him out. That's troubling. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yes. So that's... Surely you will die. In that day, surely you will die. So there's that. <clears throat> um, and then the first two children kill each other. One of them kills the other one. So there's that, Not chapter great. four. <laughs> right. That's how, exactly. We're only four. I'm doing good. Get a genealogy. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the, well, <laughs> so it's the angels and the human wives. Mm -hmm. And then verse five of that sixth chapter, the Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the, the Lord the, was sorry that he sorry made, that he human made humankind. Kind. And it grieved him to his heart. So there's so that. So the Lord says, you know what? How about a big flood? How about I just kill them all? Yeah. Oopsie daisy, <laughs> my bad. Could try this again. They're bad. Not, not mine yeah. is bad. So yeah, there's that. And then there's a weird thing. Noah. Oh, no. He, <sighs> and the sun's covering up his nakedness. Because his nakedness. <laughs> Naked. Naked Noah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, so you don't have to get far to be like, mm -mm. this is a different kind of book. Right. <laughs> that's not what I expected. Exactly. Yes. So since it can, it is troubling. 
or confusing how you know from the beginning parts of it are Mm. is there a good reading plan that because no i think i think this is the point of the series you have to read it all okay you can't just ignore the parts you don't like right i mean i really think that's the point of the series so then when you get to the parts that are tough then what how how do you make sense of them Mm -hmm. i mean i really do think it all comes down to that and and, both you know our our seminary Bible professors, their point was the same thing. You cannot just ignore the stuff you don't like. You got to figure out what your, uh, your hermeneutic is, what your interpretive lens is. Mm -hmm. How do you read this book? And you know, if you've got like, there's extremes in the Christian world and some kind of secular Christians don't take it very seriously at all. And then some fundamentalist Christians say, you got to read, it's all literally true. And, Methodists, as we are with most things, are somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. and having having a you know language around that and being clear about what tools you're using to interpret the Bible and what is what's it authoritative for and what what uh, texts are kind of ultimately uh, authoritative. Mm-hmm. That's all really really vital. Yeah. So that when you get to the parts about you know the Old Testament has some stuff that's more myth. You know, I don't, I don't say that as um, pejorative, yeah. but they're more mythological than they are really intended to be historical or whatever. Uh, then you can know what to do with that. And then when you get to the parts like we had this past Sunday where Jesus himself is dropping hot sports opinions left and right, yeah, you can kind of <laughs> try to discern something of, of value there and uh, figure out what he's really trying to say without, I mean, like nobody really gouges their eye out if their if their eye is wandering and thinking lustful thoughts whatever like yeah. and there's there's all it's just it's such a unique and important book but our interpretive framework is really really important yes i think what i appreciate is that yeah you can't just skip the parts can't because you can't say well i guess i'll just skip genesis let me hop over to psalms that would be safe uh, no, wrong, though, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> or I'll go to the New Testament. Uh-huh. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing. There's Jesus, I mean. Jesus, what's he going to say? Um, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. So I think that's a point of like you can't just – because you're going to run into things perhaps in every book mm-hmm. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so like what – you can't just escape that and be like, well, I just – I'll ignore it because you're going to end up ignoring chunks. And um, it is good to read those hard things because – People will ask you, well, what do you do with that story? And it's, it's great to have an answer. It's great to say, well, this is how I read it or this is how I've interpreted it, rather mm-hmm. than saying, well, I don't read that part. That right. people aren't going to like that answer. Right. So it's a good. Yeah. But even if, I mean, people are going to think what people are going to think. Correct. Most importantly, it's what does it mean for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how, how can this Bible be the most important book in your life when there are parts that you really struggle with? Mm-hmm. that's a really kind of core gut level discipleship question mm-hmm. and you, you gotta have an answer. Yeah. Okay. In your manuscript, cause I have a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how you say that how Methodists approach scripture. And I wonder if other denominations approach scripture or how would you th- say they interact with scripture? Well, um, I do think there's a, you know, there's a spectrum from the way I set it up in the first week is kind of fundamentalist or literalist mm-hmm. to secularist. <laughs> and there's a broad 
you know, broad swath in between. And so we, I closed the sermon by saying that like this notion of a spiritual journey is pretty uh, applicable to the Bible as well. Like it's a, it's a journey that we take with scripture <clears throat> because there are ups and downs. There are these beautifully comforting, hope filled life giving messages. And then the ones that really kind of shake us by the shoulders and won't try to get our, our attention. Um, so the, the Methodist framework of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience is, uh, what I appreciate about that is that it's overt <laughs> and it's overt in a way that doesn't ask scripture to bear more intellectual weight than it was intended to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to say that the Bible is li- literally true does something that the authors themselves never intended is the argument I would make to any of my fundamentalist friends. Okay. Um, in fact, the church never thought of it that way, <laughs> or else you wouldn't have four different versions of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Because those, yeah. those four different versions of the gospel, yes, they give a unique perspective on Jesus, but like a, a common way that people will say this is, well, they all had their own point of view. So this written by four eyewitnesses. They all had their point, own point of view. They're going to remember things differently. I mean, that's just not, that's not so. <laughs> I mean, these are all, in every case, generations after the fact was sticking with the gospels. Yeah. And the church made a conscious decision that these, each of these gospels is bringing an important aspect of Jesus theology out and it's through the lens of their own experience. And so, uh, how then do we, how do we make sense of it? What is our interpretive framework? So revealed in scripture, illumined by tradition, tested by reason, vivified, made alive in experience is the way we approach it. It's a very Anglican way of doing it. I mean, John Wesley wasn't pioneering anything there. He was a creature of his tradition. <clears throat> he probably took reason a little more seriously, overtly, than um, than maybe his predecessors did, or he articulated it maybe slightly differently. But um, it's like Jesus himself in John's gospel says, essentially, don't believe in the Bible. He says, you come to the scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but you refuse to come to me because he's confronting religious authorities who assume they've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Well, oh my God, that is the, <laughs> it's like he could be talking to any, in my opinion, fundamentalist preacher. Mm-hmm. Like why? You know, you don't believe in the Bible. You believe in me and you have the Bible to guide you in your relationship with me. That's the, the key point. So at various places in the, in the series, um, we would, we saw, we talk about, I, I mentioned, maybe this is in week three, um, that the words of scripture, the small W words of scripture reveal the word, capital W word of God, mm-hmm. which is Christ. And <laughs> that because our faith is in him, our relationship is in with him. Our salvation is in him. It's not in the book as important as this book is. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, you, t- you tell that to anybody who says they're from a quote unquote Bible believing church. That'd be very offensive and it'll, it'll sound um, heretical and they'll think you're totally missing the boat with the Bible. And my, my counterpoint to that is, no, I think actually you're missing the boat. So if you look in, in John's gospel, <laughs> Jesus himself is calling you out for that kind of idea. So then if, if we don't believe in the Bible, but we, have a, we believe in Christ and our relationship with God with him is guided by scripture, then how exactly do we think about it? And that's where these other criteria become really important. 
and the more overt we are about that, the better off we are. And so anytime I'm meeting with somebody who's, who's uh, becoming a Methodist from a different tradition, I get into this. Like, it's important for you to understand how Methodists think through theology. Because I don't want you joining a church if you're not on board with this. This is, this is the way we think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how we come to the conclusion that slavery is a bad idea. Women should be ordained. Divorce, we think about differently than we did in previous generations. Because it's not just, you know, you open the book, the words are on the page, and voila, here's my answer to life. Yeah. Which I think is different. I mean, the whole, like, we're approaching it. We're bringing either questions or our... We're going to look at this different, which I think some denominations like, oh, you don't approach it. Scripture is just, it comes to you and you believe it. There's no, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and because we believe it's like this living text that we interact with mm-hmm. and have a relationship. So I just, I don't know if something about that, like we approach it rather than it just barking at us, which I think some denominations kind of use it. Well, a of thousand like, percent, a thousand percent. Like it's, it's, it is easy and, I mean, I'm hesitating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Theologically lazy to rip a, a verse out of scripture and beat somebody over the head with it. That's not the way it works. That is not the way this document, this, this living book was intended yeah. to be used. The, the book was intended to bring us to faith. Mm-hmm. For, Jewish, for our Jewish brothers and sisters to the faith in the one God. Like the mono, they were a monotheistic religion at a time when nobody else around them was. For us, it's about Christ. It's, but it's, again, the first time I said this in a sermon, I really thought I, I had people. Um, it was a rural setting, and uh, I just said, like, we don't believe in the Bible. And they looked at me like, oh my God, he is a preacher saying we don't believe in the Bible. We got, we got to call the DS right now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was preaching from John mm-hmm. <laughs> where Jesus says, you go to the scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but you refuse to come to me. Mm. And his point is, it, this is a vitally important book. And anyone who even knows me for five minutes knows that it's the most important book in my life. But I don't put my faith in it. I put my faith in Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like, we should just sit with that for a minute. That's radical. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a radical that's a radical call to a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And what I love about our, the, the, the quadrilateral is it doesn't let us off the hook, <laughs> right? We are expected to wrestle with these things. Mm-hmm. I remember one time um, we, I read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia with Max and we got, and I love the line which in order, but it's mm-hmm. the first book that I remember really falling in love with. Like I could not put that book down. Yeah. And I was in the Catholic tradition, so this notion of blood sacrifice and all that was just part and parcel to my weekly experience of God in the in Scripture. I mean, in the, the Mass. So there was this kind of gut check moment where it's. I mean, C.S. Lewis is brilliant on multiple levels, and it's very clear what he's trying to say. Yeah, and it's this kind of almost it's almost substitutionary atonement, and trying to explain to Max was probably through third grade or something like that, trying to, to interpret Mm -hmm. this, this notion of self giving in a way that wasn't just a flat laying down on the stone table and allowing yourself to be slaughtered because that's what was required. Um, was a, was a good reminder that when you get to the parts in the Bible like this, 
where you've got this really brilliant, beautiful metaphor that probably really needs to be understood as a metaphor. Do, how exactly intellectually do you do that? Do you make that? Do you, do you interpret that? Like part of the thing that makes children's and youth um, Sunday school so challenging is these these texts are so rich and so like multivalent, like you could interpret them in, in many different ways. Um, and, and so potentially scary <laughs> and in some cases offensive on, on their flat reading, which is where a lot of people leave it, mm-hmm. that this, like the way we teach our kids how to interact with scripture is so vitally important because we don't want them to put it on the shelf and never engage with it again. And I, so that, that whole notion of those four sources and criteria, this needs to be something we talk about a lot. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, okay. You mentioned about John Wesley. So I'm not as familiar with a lot of his sermons. I mean, there's a few, but did he, were there any sermons that he had that he wrestled with scripture or talked about? I don't know if you know enough of his sermons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I've read, yeah. I know you've read quite, but I didn't know if any popped to your mind. Yeah, so there there are, so I think there's one where he talks about, there's a passage in Ephesians that says, and he's obviously reading from the King James Version, Mm -hmm. but you, actually he's reading the original, but he's, uh, he's reading the original language, but he's preaching from the King James. You are saved. There's a passage from Ephesians about, salvation so it gets in this whole thing about salvation not being going to heaven okay which in and of itself in the 18th century was like what are you talking about <laughs> that is the, whole, the only reason i'm here is to figure out how to go to heaven what okay. are you talking about yeah and he said no it's not about that it's about it's about a it's about the the christian life i mean yeah heaven's gonna take care of itself you're it's about how you live right now and you are saved not you will be saved you are saved by your faith in christ and here's how that is uh lived out in your life He's, he considered himself an evangelical, but that's not your classic evangelical sermon, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's taking a scripture that most people assume means one thing, and he's taking it, to, uh, like interpreting it in a much on a much deeper level, and then expanding it for how we live it out in our life. And he, you know, he does that on a bunch of things. Now he's got, he's there's a, a sermon called the Great Assize A S S I Z E where he talks about Judgment Day. Some of that gets a little literal. Okay. <laughs> so, he, I mean, he's not like he's a, he, it's not like he transcends time in every way. Um, but he was not, uh, he was not shy about uh, calling on a broad range of um, texts, experiences, traditions of the church, uh, and then reinterpreting those in a way that was countercultural to his day. Okay. And you can only do that if you are clear about how you're approaching the canon. Yeah. Otherwise, you just go locked into the same thing that anyone's ever preached, you know? Mm-hmm. I just wonder, because, um, you know, the, the buzzword that some people are, the whole deconstruction mm-hmm. <laughs> and looking at Scripture. Um, some people are like, well, all these new pastors, that's all we want to do is look at Scripture different and interpret it different. You know, it was never this way before. And I'm like, ah. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's just good to hear that John Wesley, you know, would look at things and say things that were different than at the time. And so this isn't just this newfangled 2021, 20, 
2022 thing that we're doing. Like, no, it's not. Like, listen, so in the 18th century, so there's a, a distinction in Christian theology between justification and sanctification. Justification is the moment you 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 are you get saved, right? You're forgiven for your sins when you when you accept faith in Christ. It's a it's a vitally important part of the Christian journey. Right. But for for uh, Wesley, it was the beginning of the story, and then sanctification was where it was really at. That was kind of a an, I don't know if it was innovation, but it was something that was a different emphasis than a lot of his peers. And on on social issues, you can make a very strong case for, for slavery from the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very strong case. Very yes. di- very hard to argue against it actually from mm-hmm. Scripture, unless you do this kind of meta argument about love and grace and mm-hmm. the brotherhood of man, you know, brother and sisterhood of man. Um, which is what Wesley did. So he, like, he preached. I would say, in some ways, against the standard scriptural arguments, <laughs> which was counter to the economic self-interest of the setting he was in. Mm-hmm. And somebody in his day might have called him woke because of that, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. I mean, just to just to say it. Yeah. Um. He. he that's not how he would have described himself. He would have said, no, I'm just reading the canon. Like I'm reading this book about love and grace and forgiveness and uh, going on to perfection and saying that owning another human being is not part of that. Yeah. And, you know, that, like, I don't know. I, I love that part of our history. Yeah. So that's just good to know that's, that's been, you know, as part of our tradition. So it's baked into <laughs> right. who Methodists are. We're not like, let's try this. Let's try this way. No, it's, it's always been kind of part of it. Okay. So the last two weeks have been some pretty graphic scriptures <laughs> um, that have a fair amount of uh, humanity in them. You mentioned that, uh, that in last week's podcast, that there's some humanity written into it. Like it's not just this. <laughs> not some. <laughs> so a lot. Uh, a lot. Right. So do you find that the passage that you read this week with Luke – has that same humanity? Uh, so I feel like we, you know, and I mentioned this in the sermon, with, with the words of Jesus, it's a little, <laughs> we yeah. have to be a little more careful yeah. because obviously he's our authority. Mm-hmm. So um, having said that, we believe that Jesus was fully human and fully divine. Okay. <laughs> and so um, when he is in a, I mean, he almost comes across as cavalier in the passages today. Where this guy says, I want to follow you. So Jesus calls, there's a series of three interactions. First guy says, uh, I'll follow you wherever you go. All right. And then Jesus says, well, be careful about that because that means you're not going to have a place to lay your head sometimes. So, you know, creature comforts, yeah. discipleship sometimes hard, fine. The second one, though, Jesus calls him. He says, yes, I want to follow you, Lord, but I need to go bury my father first. And Jesus said, and this is the verse I read at the start of the podcast, let the, bed, let the dead bury their dead. Your job is to go preach. Mm-hmm. The kingdom. Yeah. Now, what I didn't get into in the sermon is that in Luke's gospel, it's very important to Luke that he portrays Jesus as being fully Jewish. Like he, the, the gospel of Luke begins and ends in the temple. Um, Jesus and his family, his parents are portrayed as doing all the things a normal Jewish family would do. Because in, in Luke's uh, understanding, there's three epochs of our salvation history. The Old Testament is one. The era of Jesus, which is very brief, is one. And then the church is the third. And that, that's an Acts, which is also written by Luke. And so Jesus is this, is this bridge between the old and the new. Mm-hmm. And so as the bridge, he's uh, 
and this is all, I'm not saying Luke made this up. I'm saying this is the, yeah. what he emphasizes in his gospel. So as the bridge, it's important that he fully participate in the old as he's ushering in something new. So given that that's been the case up, you know, through the first nine chapters of the, of the gospel, the notion that he would minimize the importance of burying the dead, which had a whole, still does have have a whole set of expectations around it in, mm-hmm. in Jewish religiosity, uh, is quite shocking. And then the, the very next person says, um, "Volunteers, I want to I want to follow you, Jesus. Let yeah. me just go say goodbye to my folks." And he's like, oh, "Nope. If you do that, you're not fit for the kingdom of God." What I what I hear in this. Is uh, this is um, at this point in the sermon? This is the beginning of what's called the travel log. So Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. It's kind of a an extended journey to the cross at this point, and so the human part of Jesus has to have some anxiety about that. Mm-hmm. In Luke's gospel, he sweats and it becomes like drops of blood. That's only in Luke. So he really emphasizes not only uh, the the uh, full participation of, G- of Jesus in his Jewish heritage, he also does a fair amount with his humanity. And so to me, it's like he's grumpy about it. Like, oh, really? You want to go bury your dad? Fine. You know what I'm going to go do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where I'm on my way to do? Yeah. If you want to follow me, you better pick up your cross and follow me. So I actually think in a very unique way, these verses reflect humanity, but the humanity of Christ. Of Christ. <laughs> Not. Okay. Yeah. I do think it's. Which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think it's interesting because obviously Jesus was was giving like this is this is a hard thing like to um, to be a disciple is you know as a high calling, but with the disciples you know when he called them it seemed like all of them just kind of stopped what they were doing and they just started with him so I'm like oh maybe he really meant that like they didn't, did they go say bye to their people or did they just start following Jesus I don't know I thought about that. Yeah, I'm bit. I'm assuming they did. I'm assuming they made arrangements and followed him. Yeah. Personally. But it's a good point. Yeah. But and it's the same point, which uh-huh. is that God has to be the priority, the gospel has to be the priority, the kingdom has to be the priority. Yeah. And he's uh he's making that point here in a way that's shocking. Mm-hmm. It would have even I mean it would have been probably more not more. It would have been just as shocking in the moment mm-hmm. as it is to us today. Yeah. Which I think is part of the point. Yeah. So really, I mean, the, he's being blunt, but I think he's trying to say, like, yeah, this is not an easy thing. My my text says would be followers of Jesus. Yes. Is that what you're? you're uh, so my preaching Bible doesn't have those subtitles, but my study Bible does. Okay. Yeah. So the would be, yeah. the would be followers. Right. You're like, oh. It's like the almost Christian. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a Wesley reference, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of mentioned this already. That his face is set toward Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. If he's starting to have these moments where, because I was looking through the rest of Luke, okay, I'm like, oh, he has some very strong teachings. <laughs> but where do you continue to see that that grace side of of Jesus that we know so well? Um, I mean, it, it, gosh, it's so hard to separate it. Yeah, uh, I would say a couple of obvious examples in this section in the travel log, like so, he's on his way to Jerusalem with the disciples, and yeah. He's gotten a little grumpy here at the beginning about the priority of that. Mm-hmm. But he also tells the story of the Good Samaritan along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells the story of the prodigal son on the way, which is kind of the quintessential Christian teaching about grace. Yeah. Um, there's the whole stuff about how God goes to look for the 99. Yeah. I mean, goes to look for the one, leaves the 99. Um, so it, it's all through there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Fully human, fully divine. Right. So fully it's not believe. like, oh, I guess he's just mad. You're like, he's oh. not. This, this isn't Mark's gospel. <laughs> right. Mark's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and this you continue to see that where he has care and compassion. It's 100%. not. It's not. Oh, he forgives the thief on the cross. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah. So don't don't stop in that at Luke, <laughs> that part of Luke. Well, 9. I mean, isn't this a perfect <laughs> example? Like this is a scripture that most people would just like soon pass over. Right, because we don't want to think about Jesus being grumpy like this and being almost—I mean, callous is the word I use in the sermon. He comes across as callous. I mean, he's not intending to be, I'm sure, because he's Jesus. But yeah, but you can't. Same with the Sermon on the Mount. You can't just overlook the stuff you don't like. Mm-hmm. It's all part and parcel of the same Son of God's teaching. And so, how do we interpret it? Mm-hmm. How do we reinterpret it? Uh, on Sunday, when I did between the lines, we we went back and looked at. Jesus in the temple mm. when he was lost. And they're like, some of the people are like, well, he's kind of mouthy with Mary and Joseph. <laughs> and so just talking about like how we're not even comfortable thinking that Jesus might have yeah. mouthed off at some point yeah. because I'm like, he's still a human. Right. <laughs> like, and some people just don't like that. They're like, mm. oh no, he had it all together. He knew everything. He was always right. light and great. And you're like, no, he wasn't. No, I mean, no, he's <laughs> right. He's without sin. That's what St. Paul says. Yeah. But that's not, but that's not, that doesn't mean he wasn't human. Yeah. And he definitely gets cranky with people frequently. Yeah. 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 It just speaks to what we think sin is. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It yeah. more underpins like that we have a critical misunderstanding of what sin is to be right. and mouthy children. Do, you better not speak like that to your parents. Mm. You know, this, this thing that. I personally was told in Sunday school, you know, the things I needed right. forgiveness for. Right. So the, uh, the very detailed explanation of honor by father, father. And mother. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So sin is the problem of sin is not, I mean, the things that we do wrong are a product of the problem of sin. <laughs> they are not the problem themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So the sin is this power in our lives that leads us to choose the wrong. To say Jesus without, is without sin doesn't mean that he never did anything that never offended anybody. It means that he wasn't beholden to this thing that separates us from that, where we separate ourselves from God or try to separate ourselves from God because that's not, ultimately not really possible. Yeah. It's yeah. good. That's a whole podcast. In that's a whole podcast. Also, the question that people uh, are most scared of during BOM for commissioning is what are they going to ask me about sin? Yeah. And what's the distinction between sin and evil? Oh, Where gosh. does evil come from? It makes me sweat just thinking about it. Um, okay. <laughs> that's, that's not an No, no one has great answers to that. <laughs> yeah. I know I didn't. I was like, let's <laughs> just keep talking. I don't know how I'm going to end this sentence, but I'm just going to keep talking. Okay. So do you think you'll do another series like this again? Oh yeah. Uh, you mean on, on unsettling passages? Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, there's plenty of them. There's plenty. To <laughs> there's choose way more from. than four. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think we should. I think we should. I think people really enjoy it because a lot of people were like, "Oh, I never read that passage before." Mm-hmm. So it's fun to kind of find these. Every gems. literally every week of the series, somebody mm-hmm. came up to me and said they never heard that, that scripture before. Yeah, I mean, because even if it's not the quote unsettling, because some of these were truly like horrific things that people <laughs> said, the things we skip, like subconsciously or consciously mm-hmm. too. Yeah. We could, we should just keep track of those. And then, mm-hmm. You know, once a year, we'll put them up so on, a, on a pegboard. Just <laughs> yeah. throw a dart. Right. See which one we do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say that, uh, if, 
if you've never read Genesis six, you're telling on yourself. You haven't, you haven't gotten very far in your, uh, I'm going to read the Bible this year mm-hmm. plan. If you've never read Genesis six. <laughs> yeah. It is, what is the thing? Like I always see the tweets at the beginning of the year, like good luck to everyone. Like reading, starting the Genesis one. And like two days later, like, Oh, we all tried. We're already done. <laughs> I mean, I could see not getting to the Elisha part. That's pretty far in. Yep. Oh, on that note, any closing thoughts on this passage or this series? Uh, no, I, I think it's been, I think it's, it's good. It's always good for me to clarify these kind of things in my own head. I get a chance to do that with the board of our ministry, but interpreting it kind of publicly mm-hmm. <laughs> and overtly is I think an important part of our job. Um, also major shout out to you for preaching four times on short notice on the Sikkim bears. Yeah. Uh, it was so fun. It ended up being so fun. I mean, I was tired the next day, but I was like, did you take a nap? Oh, I took like a very, like, I did not move. Like I woke up, I was like, I'm in the same position. Um, yeah. And I was so, I had so much adrenaline. I had no caffeine that morning. It was just pure adrenaline. It was awesome. It was fun. I got to watch all three at home because we were quarantined. Mm-hmm. So we are about to start three weeks on Ruth. Yeah. This is the third year in a row, right? We've done a little short because we did two years ago. We did Jonah. Yes. Or was that last year? That was last year, right? I believe it was last year. And we've done Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. We did Song of Songs, Jonah. Mm-hmm. And or maybe with Song of Songs, we just standalone. So Ruth is, there's four chapters in Ruth. In Ruth. <laughs> We're going to skip <laughs> one of the chapters <laughs> just because it's, you know, like, Bible at night kind of yep. stuff. HBO Max. <laughs> right. HBO Max. Exactly. The quiet storm. <laughs> so we're gonna go we're gonna go with chapters one, two, and four. But that's a beautiful book and it's really pretty it's kind of foundational to the mm-hmm. faith. Hard to find, by the way. Almost every time I go to look for Ruth, I gotta look it up in the table of contents because <laughs> it's in a weird place. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good. And then believe it or not, three weeks and one day from t- uh, t- we're recording on Tuesday this this week. Three weeks and one day is Ash Wednesday. Crazy. And we're off and running on plan, I know. So. All right. Well, nice to be back in the studio with yeah. you. Sorry to insult your sitcom friends. That's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> we'll have to come up with hot sports opinions about other things that are near and dear to you. <laughs> okay. Great. Jen you want to talk about Jen <gasps> Oh, yes. Love her. Okay. All right, y'all. We appreciate you spending another uh, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever mm-hmm. this is going to end up being with us. Uh, We will be back next week with another episode of Offscript. God bless y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.